Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Limitless Estates, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family using real estate as your vehicle. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hey, everyone. Welcome to our Asset Management Friday segment of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Kyle Mitchell, also joined by Gary Lipsky. This segment is focused on educating operators, building better systems, and becoming a best-in-class operator. Since we are also live on Facebook right now, make sure to type in any questions you have in the comments section below. Also, be sure to check out our Facebook group, Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate. How many times have you thought, there has to be a better way while working through endless rent rolls and historicals? Enter Red IQ, who will process and standardize them, generate deep and accurate property insights, and bring you through the final underwriting all in just five minutes. As for underwriting, thanks to Red IQ's new Excel add-in called QuickSync, you can continue using your own model and instantaneously populate it with the data from Red IQ with just the click of a button. Request a demo today at RedIQ.com. All right, today on the show, we have Ben Suttles. Welcome and thanks for being on the show. Hey guys, how you doing today? Doing well, thanks. If you can start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do. Yeah, so Ben Suttles, I'm a co-owner of Disrupt Equity, the other owner being Ferris Musa, which some people might know. We're based here in Houston. We mainly specialize in multifamily. We're getting into some other commercial asset classes in the future though. Our portfolio is about 1,500 units. We've owned about 1,800. We've sold about 300 last year and the year before. And those are going to be in Texas and in Georgia. Welcome, Ben. Let's talk about generating income today. What has been your number one income boosting strategy? We specialize in workforce housing. So class B and C stuff, right? So you'll get into a lot of these properties where they're just collecting rent and the standard other income stuff, right? You know, think late fees, think month-to-month fees, think NSF fees, that type of stuff, right? But where the real money is, is when you start billing back utilities, right? So think of anybody that leaves and lives in a class A property, right? You know, you're getting a bill for your rent, you're getting a bill for your water, you're getting a bill for your sewer, your trash, and your pest, right? In some of these markets, not all, and you have to really kind of do the demographic work and, and shop your comps and see if they're doing it as well. You can also do a rent pop and introduce this to boost your other income. And really where we've seen the biggest boost is going to be the water and the sewer. So, you know, it takes a little bit of time to penetrate that because you got to, you got to figure, right? You can't just start off and say, okay, I own a 200 unit property. Everybody now has to start paying water and sewer. It doesn't work like that. It has to be a part of the lease. So you have to kind of churn through that. And, you know, some people will fall off, new people will come in and each time you're introducing, Hey, this is going to be a part of what we're going to bill you on a monthly basis. So that's probably been the biggest boost. And, you know, to get everyone onto, onto the rubs, is that, is that take a year, year and a half? What do you budget? It's usually 18 months, right? Because you're going to have a little bit of lag time, just getting it rolled out and getting the right, you know, systems in place. And so I always tell people plan for 18. If you could do it in less, you know, around 12, then you're doing a good job. But sometimes you're just going to have wonky leases that might be a little bit longer 
or it took your team a, a couple months just to kind of really rev up and get penetration on doing it. And you got to set it up. Usually they're going to be done through third parties that have calculations that are, that are kind of pursuant to the local laws and the regulations that you have to do. Cause each state is different, right? You know, s- certain states only allow you to bill up to, I'll just throw random percentages out there up to 50% of the water bill. So say the property is getting paid 10,000, excuse me, the bill to the property is 10,000. You can only bill out to the tenants 5,000 of that, right? And there might be other markets where you can do 75%. So you have to really work with your local property management company and determine what that is and really kind of push that. But then also it's a little bit of a give and take, right? You don't want to, you don't want it to be onerous on your tenant base either. So if you say, okay, that's really going to push, we're going to get some real pushback on this. You can also back off of it, right? Instead of 50%, you say, all right, 40. That's still 40% more than what you're collecting before doing it, right? Before all these properties were just eating that cost. And so, you know, if you look at that, nothing else from this, this podcast, look at doing the water and the sewer reimbursements with your tenants. And I think you'll, you'll see it as a big boost for your property. Yeah, it's a great strategy. And I love how you conservatively underwrite it over 18 months. I see people's underwriting where they, it's like 100% from day one. <laughs> like, no, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I love how these underwriting sheets are, right? I mean, sometimes you have to spread some of these things out over one, two, three years, right? You have to be realistic about when you're going to see the pop and how long it's going to take to kind of ramp that up. And that goes with rents too, right? I mean, if you're looking at rent, you can't just push rent day one. And you can't just update 100% of the units the first week. All that stuff takes time. And that's the same thing with other income as well. Yeah. What are two lesser known tactics that you implement to increase income? Well, I just gave you my big one. <laughs> so the other one that we're really kind of starting to see some traction on is, is really charging the pet rent. I mean, let's be honest. A lot of people have pets. Now there's, you know, the service animal versus a real pet. And I'm not going to get into the, the, the laws behind that. Right. But you know, just charging that additional 25 bucks a month in pet rent. Now, this is not a pet deposit. You should still charge a pet deposit because we know that the pet is going to probably mess the apartment up or mess on the apartment. And everybody kind of knows what I mean by that. And you're going to have to clean that up. I'm talking about pet rent. And you can determine that usually based on breed, right? Like the bigger the pet, the bigger the rent's going to be because the more likely it is that that pet's going to probably destroy something, right? And most people, they love their pets. They're a part of the family, you know? And so, and, and we respect that. And as such, they're willing to, to pay that to keep the animal there versus having to give it away before moving in. So pet rent is a big one that, I'm, that we're kind of pushing. The other thing too, and going back to utilities, right? You know, pest and trash too. Now this is, once again, you have to look at your market. Can your tenant base support an additional rent pop? Now they're paying part of their, their water and sewer. Now they're paying a part of their trash. Now they're paying a part of their pest. But if it can support it, and some of the properties that we've done, especially in Atlanta, we're within the first 18 months, we're introducing all those new fees. And then on top of that, so the other income is funny. When you buy a property from, you know, say a you know, local mom and pop, or maybe from a third party that's not doing a great job, the other income is usually low. Right? So you can just say, okay, hey, I'm looking at it based on similar properties that we own or based on similar properties in the area that we're familiar with. They are just not collecting the fees that they're supposed to. And this is, we're not even talking about utilities and pests and all this other stuff. We're just talking about the regular late fees, application fees, month to month fees, and, and the NSF fees. And so if you can just get tight management in there, within the first six months, you're going to see a boost in your other income numbers because 
you're just collecting, you're being more aggressive with collection of fees that you should be collecting. And so I always tell people just get in there and get tighter management around what you're doing and how you're interacting with your tenants. You can start extracting more of those fees out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've definitely seen huge opportunities there. So you, you, we talked about kind of implementing this strategy. You know, you've got your, your property manager that's, that's implementing it. And what are the guidelines that you give them to kind of implement that? Are you talking about in terms of timeline or in terms of, you know, what our expectations are in terms of the actual money that, that they collect or? Timeline, guidelines, the whole gamut, what it looks like when you, when you say, you know, you want to increase the, you know, other income in these certain categories, what kind of guidelines you give them? So it's very important. I cannot stress this enough that you work with your property management company prior to takeover and aligning your internal underwriting budget with what they can actually do on the property, right? You, those two need to be aligned. In a lot of cases, they're not, right? You're over here, you know, not everybody, not you in particular, but a lot of syndicators, right? Might be aggressive over here. And these and the property management company, in a lot of ways, they sandbag you on their budgets. So you have to find some happy medium. Okay, maybe it's not this, maybe it's not that, but it's somewhere in the middle, right? You need to determine what that is before day one, right? As long as you guys can all agree to the plan, and then you just get it's like trust but verify, right? You've got to trust that they're doing what, what they're supposed to, but you need to verify that they're actually doing it too, right? You know, in terms of timeline, like I said, about 18 months is, is usually a, the rule of thumb as to this is when I want all of this to kind of ramp up. So it should be kind of like this, right? Then it kind of plateaus, unless just some other random fee that comes along to the market, which I'm not even sure what, what that could be. But it's important that you work that out ahead of time and then just verify that they're doing it, right? And there's always going to be budget variances. Why didn't this happen this month? Oh, okay, well this, this, and this didn't happen. There wasn't enough renewals or we didn't have any units to, to lease up this month for whatever reason, right? Maybe you're hundred percent occupied. There's nothing to lease. Well, in that case, you're not going to start, you're not going to keep seeing that ramp up at least on the utility reimbursements because there's just not new people that you can get onto that program. So I think it's, it's just a healthy every week. You need to be talking with your property management company and keeping them on track with your budget overall. And that includes other income. And are you targeting a certain percentage of other income for each property? Let's say 10%, 8%. Is there a standard or every property is different? I think it's every property is different, right? Because, and I'm going to go back, you know, I was thinking about this question that, you know, you sent them ahead of time, right? And I really can't peg a percentage. I'm going to tell you why, right? Not only is every property different, but every area is different too, right? It's, it's important to kind of go back to my earlier statement, which is I can say, hey, I want to do water, sewer, pest, trash, all these new fees, right? But if everybody in the submarket isn't doing that, guess what? You're not going to be able to do it either, right? Because people are going to start saying, well, these guys are nickel and diamond me. You know, I'm going to go to the, to the property down the street that's not going to charge me all these fees, right? They're just going to charge me straight up rent. So you have to also figure out what's happening in the market to really kind of figure out if there's a, if there's a way to juice it. And then from there, you got to have to kind of figure out how much can we increase it, right? And that's another discussion that you have to have with your property management company. It's, it's important to leverage their expertise in these markets. And that's really, let's be honest, right? And especially we all invest outside of our backyard. You have to trust that they know the market, that they know what the comps are doing, what they're charging and how much they're charging. And then you can go out and develop a plan, right? You know, but just like rent, right? You're probably trying to pop things five to 10% year one. And then it's probably going to taper off after that. Anywhere from one to 3% moving forward. 
Now with coronavirus, who knows? We all might just be going flat for the next year or two. But, you know, in better times, that's that was how we were underwriting deals. That's great advice. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by asset protection attorney, Wayne Patton. We all spend a lot of time thinking about ways to make more money, but how much time have you spent thinking about legal strategies to protect your wealth? Whether you're a professional, an investor, or an entrepreneur, you are at risk of being targeted in a lawsuit. Wayne is an attorney who specializes only in asset protection strategies, like the use of offshore trusts. If you'd like to learn more about how you can protect your assets, visit mwpatten.com or assetprotection.law. Mention this podcast and Wayne will waive his customary $750 initial consultation fee. Again, the website is mwpatten.com or assetprotection.law. Or you can call Wayne at 877-727-1092. Call now and get protected today. All right, let's do it. Ben, we ask every guest this final question. What is your asset management superpower? Asset management superpower. You know, I I think I tend to gravitate more towards investor relations. Asset management is, is a combination of working with the property management company and doing all the things that the investors expect you to do, right? From communications to distributions to monthly updates to K-1s and answering questions about taxes. Within our firm, Disrupt Equity, that's, that's where I've gravitated towards because a lot of the investors are, are my friends and new colleagues. And I want to take care of them. I want to answer their questions. I want to make sure that you know, they understand what we're doing and why we're doing it. And Neil Bertrand, who's our asset manager, handles more on the property management side. So I've tended to gravitate towards that because I like doing that. Have I hopped on weeklies and crunch numbers? Absolutely. You have to. You have to understand the whole gamut of the, the process. But that's what I tend to, to deal with just because I like, I like having those interactions with our investors. All right. Perfect. Well, Ben, thanks for coming on the show and talking to us about generating income. Today, I learned a couple of things. Rubs, I think, is the biggest boost in other income for sure. is something you need to take a look at, but make sure that the market can support it. Pet rent was another one. And then the biggest one is just tightening up on management, making sure that they're charging the fees that they should be, like the NSFs, the late fees, even application fees and things like that, because those can definitely add up. So if you can tell the listeners where they can find out more about you. Yeah, absolutely. You can check me out, Ben, at disruptequity.com. And you can check our website at disruptequity.com. Perfect. All right. Thanks everyone for listening in. Again, if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher. Give us a like, subscribe, and review so we continue to grow the podcast. And we'll talk to everyone next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to limitless-estates.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.